Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Torah Mecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Shoshana Shechter, and today we will be studying Parshat Vayishlach. Okay, so Parshat Vayishlach, quick overview. Perak Lamed Bet, Yaakov sends messengers to Esav. He finds out that Esav is coming with 400 men to fight with him. Yaakov set up his camp, and he davened. That night, he wrestles with the Malach. And then the Balach sets him free and tells him that his name is going to be changed. We'll come back to that point. Parak Lamed Gimel. Yaakov meets up with Esav. Esav hugs him instead of fights with him. Yaakov introduces Esav to his family, and then they go on their way. Parak Lamed Bet is the difficult story of Dina and Shechem ben Chamor and Shimon and Levi uh, taking revenge on the people of Shechem for defiling Dina. Parak Lamed Hey, Hashem... Finally changes Yaakov's name to Yisrael. Rachel dies giving birth to Benjamin and is buried Bederach Hevron, Derech Ephrata, on the road to Ephrat, on the road to Beit Lechem, where her kever is today, as the Torah tells us. And those of us who had this chus have had this chus of davening there. That is what the Parsha is talking about when it says that she's buried right there on the road. And that that's where she's buried today, till today. Um, the end of Paraklamid, hey, Yitzchak dies at the age of 180, and Yaakov and Esav bury him together, which kind of uh, reminds us of when Avram died and Yishmael and Yitzchak came together to bury him as well. Paraklamid Vav, Esav marries more Kanani wives and settles in Har Seir, which was promised him. We're told that he's called Edom. Interestingly, the rest of the parsha goes through the generations, the genealogy of Esav, and there's a lot of mafarshim that ask why. Why do we spend an entire parak talking about the genealogy of Esav? Um, so there's two different approaches: either to show the chashivut of Esav because despite everything, he's still the son of Yitzchak and the grandson of Avraham, or from the opposite side, to show what happened to his descendants. Um, actually, I think it could be a combination of both, meaning look where, look where he came from. He's the grandson of Avram, he's the son of Yitzchak, but because of choices that he made, his descendants are not good. They're products of forbidden relationships, incests, etc., the Mepharshim say. So because of his choices, it's not just about genealogy and legacy, but the choices that he made uh, put his children on a different path than the children of Yaakov. And that's how the Parsha ends. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning of the Parsha. First of all, Yaakov is afraid. We're told at the beginning of the parsha that he is afraid. It says that Yaakov became very frightened and it distressed him. And the Mepharshim say that Vayetzerlo is even stronger than Yaakov being afraid, than Vayira Yaakov. So he was afraid. And then, and then a few psukim later, we're told a little bit why he was afraid. Yaakov says, Katonti mikola chasadim mikol ha'emetah and um, Yaakov basically says what he's saying here, I have been diminished, katonti, I've been, din- been diminished by all the kindnesses and all the truth that you have done for me, Hashem. Um, for with my staff, I crossed the Yardin, and now I've become two camps. What does that mean, katonti mikola chasidim mikol hametz? Yaakov is afraid because he didn't take Hashem's protection for granted. And the Mepharshim talk about how a tzaddik understands that Hashem's rewards can be rescinded, that you don't take Hashem's rewards for granted, and they're 
they can be taken back if one sins and then one is deemed unworthy. So he's showing humility here. His fear, the Mepharshim say, was not indicative of a lack of trust in Hashem, but in a lack of confidence in himself, in his own worthiness. And that's why he didn't want to, he didn't expect miracles here, and he certainly didn't rely on miracles. The Mepharshim say, not only is he showing humility and not taking Hashem's help for granted, but he's also... He's not relying on a miracle. He's preparing three lines of defense. He's preparing with a daron, with a gift. He's preparing with milchama, getting ready for war. And he's also preparing with tefillah, with prayer. So then it says that Yaakov is afraid and he asks Hashem, I mean, we talked about Yaakov being afraid and he asks Hashem, please save me from my brother, from Esav. So Mepharshim asks, why my brother and Esav? What do you mean, miyad achi, miyad Esav? So the Beis HaLevi says that Esav, which is symbolizing the Yitzhahara, according to a lot of Mepharshim here, tries to destroy B'nai Israel, tries to destroy Yaakov in two different ways. Sometimes he's ruthless and militant and full of hatred and tries to destroy us physically. And that's Esav, our outward enemy. And then other times he tries to destroy us spiritually and he acts like our brother, loving, trying to join together and assimilate our lives, which ultimately causes Yaakov to lose his identity. And an assault, not against Yaakov's body, but against his soul can be even more dangerous. This could be a bigger threat to the Jewish people. So that's why Yaakov says, Yaakov is asking Hashem to save him from both sides of Esav, the blatant enemy, which is Esav, but also the loving brother, which is Achi. That there are two types of enemies of the Jewish people. In fact, in Bamidbar, when B'nai Israel start traveling away from Har Sinai, and we're told, which I think we're all familiar with this Pesach from taking out the Sefer Torah, that we're asking Hashem to protect us from our enemies. And our enemies are called Oivim and Sonim. And the Mepharshim say, why do we need two different words for enemies? And they answer that there are two types of enemies of the Jewish people. You have the outward enemies, that it's very clear that they want to destroy us from the outside. And then you have the enemies that hate us inwardly and they try to manipulate and assimilate us so that they get to the core and destroy us at our core and not necessarily physically but spiritually. The Sfas Emes actually says that Yaakov, that Yitzchak alluded to these two forces of Esav when he said to Yaakov, Yadayim Yaday Esav, that when, when, when he said, when Yitzchak said to Yaakov that it's the hands of Esav, that he's referring to both hands of Esav, the right one, and the right one draws the Jewish people close. That's like the Achi, Miyad Achi, Miyad Esav. We know there's an expression, Hayamin Mekarevet, Vehasmol Dochak, that the right hand pulls you close and the left one is one that pushes you away. So even Yitzchak understood the threat that the Yadayim Yitzay Esav, the right one, draws the Jewish people close and tries to destroy the Jewish spirit, the Jewish identity, while the left hand, Hasmol Dochak, the left hand tries to physically destroy us. And it's interesting because when Yitzchak refers to the voice of Yaakov, meaning versus the Yadayim Yitzay Esav, he calls it Hakol Kol Yaakov. Again, two words for Kol. It's almost like two voices, Hakol Kol Yaakov. There are two Kols in Yaakov. There's the voice of prayer, of tefillah, that we use when we're threatened physically by the Esav type enemy. 
And then there's the voice of Torah that we use when we're threatened spiritually by the achi, the, the, the spiritual enemy of the Jewish people. And, and it's interesting because if you think about it, and this is Svasemes develops this actually, that prayer, tefillah is our weapon against Esau's physical assault and Torah is our weapon against Esau's spiritual assault. And the interesting thing is that it really connects to Hanukkah here also. Here we just, you know, celebrated Rosh Chodesh Kislev that the Greeks of Hanukkah were the more dangerous enemy. You know, the Romans assaulted us physically, but the Greeks assaulted us spiritually. They're the ones who lured B'nai Israel through beauty and assimilation and losing our identity. And that's why on Hanukkah, the menorah is lift, lit because the menorah represents the spiritual light that's going to keep us going, that re- retains our identity. And that's why, by the way, the menorah is lit on the left side of the doorway opposite the mezuzah because both the menorah and the mezuzah are protection mezuzah for physical protection and the menorah, lights of the menorah, spiritual protection. And that's why the lights of Hanukkah really symbolize how um, how we've stood through the, te- you know, really our lights have stood the test of time. And throughout our history, no nation has actually succeeded in extinguishing them. One last point about the Parsha. And now, even though Esav is viewed very negatively here and a threat to the Jewish people, there's still some unfinished business in Parsha Vayishlach. Yaakov still stole the bracha from Esav, and there still has to be some sort of consequence, or not even consequence. I mean, we've seen there's consequence. Yaakov suffered, and he was tricked by by Lavan, and you know when Lavan gave Yaakov uh, Leah instead of Rachel, and he like stachs him and says, "Lo bimkomenu You know, you wanted to marry the younger one. Well, we don't do that where I come from. We don't give a younger one before the older one, unlike what you did. You know, it's a real stach to Yaakov, and Yaakov suffered because of it. But what happens in this week's parsha is really the completion of the story. And at the beginning of the parsha, we know that, as we said, um, Esav is coming to fight with Yaakov and Yaakov is afraid. And that night it says, um, Yaakov was left alone and a man fought with him. That's, that was always interesting to me. What do you mean he was left alone? He's literally surrounded by kids and, and, and wives and family and, and animals. Like, what do you mean he was left alone? And if you think about it, I think that there's something symbolic here. He, he is left alone with his own thoughts. He has to, he's struggling. He's, he has an inner struggle here because he knows that he wronged Esav. He's not necessarily the victim here. Esav is still the victim of this story. Even if Esav was wrong and even if Esav is trying to destroy him, he still wronged Esav. And that's why he's left alone like with his own thoughts by Yavak Ishimo. Perhaps the Ish, this is not Pshat, but maybe you understand from a Midrashic level, from a metaphorical level, maybe that man, that Ish is himself, like an inner struggle, that he's struggling with himself because he has to come to terms with the fact that he still wronged Esau and he has to undo that. And that's why maybe at the end of the struggle, before he lets the angel go or the Ish go, the, the angel says to him, um, he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the angel says, well, what's your name? And he says, my name's Yaakov. And that whole interaction is so strange. What do you mean? He doesn't know what his name is. And I think the point is, and then the angel responds and says, he doesn't say now your name is not Yaakov anymore. He says, soon your name is going to be changed from Yaakov. But he doesn't say it yet because Yaakov means trickery. Yaakov is the name of Yaakov that was used to try to trick, to trick Esau, to try to get out first from the womb and then trick Esau afterwards by taking the bracha. 
his name cannot be changed until he makes amends for what he did with Esav. And if you look, when he meets up with Esav, it's unbelievable. He meets up with Esav. Esav sees him and he hugs him and he looks around. He says, who are all these people? And Yaakov says, this is my family. And then Yaakov says in Pasuk Yud Aleph in Parak Lamed Gimel, Kachna et birchati asher huvat lach, ki elokim kol. Yaakov says to Esav, he implores Esav, please take my birchati, take my bracha. What do you mean take my bracha? So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, take my gifts. I'm offering you gifts. When in the Torah says bracha is bracha synonymous with gifts. Now we know, yes, you get brachas from Hashem, it means gifts. But, but literally a gift, literally a daron, a gift, it's not usually used with the word bracha. And I think it's not a coincidence here that Yaakov is basically saying the same bracha word, bracha that, re- that is repeated throughout the story of Yaakov and Esav is used here. It's like Yaakov is saying to him, listen, Esav, take back your bracha. Remember, we talked about last week how the bracha was a physical bracha, or two weeks ago in Toldo, and the bracha was a bracha of physicality. Uh, Yaakov wasn't going to, uh, Esav wasn't going to get the bracha of the Jewish people. That wasn't in Yitzchak's authority to give, but it was a bracha of physicality. And that's why now Yaakov is saying to Esav, Please take that bracha back. I shouldn't have taken that bracha from you. Take that bracha, take that gift back. And of course, the word bracha is used to symbolize that bracha that he stole because Hashem has given me everything. I have everything I need. I don't need the physical bracha that our father was going to give to you. And the Pasuk ends, and he pushes him, he urges him to take it, and he takes it. And only after this happens, only after he makes amends for taking that bracha originally, that's when Hashem says later on in this parak, from now on, Yaakov, you're going to be called Israel. Now you're not the Yaakov that tricked your brother anymore, because now you've done real tshuva, and you've given that bracha back, and you've shown Esav that you feel bad about what happens. So even though in this parsha we see what a threat that Esav is to the Jewish people, Yaakov still has to make amends for something that he didn't do right um, two parshiot ago. Have a good Shabbos. Thank you for learning together with the OU Women's Initiative. Looking forward to continued learning next week.